Welcome to module number 12 on consciousness. After clarity, it seems only fitting that we have a module on consciousness and what it really means to be conscious. What is consciousness? I searched for the answer to this question for the last 25 years. My journey started with a university degree in psychology and counselling. All I found there was an abundance of ideas about what could be the way to understand the mind and emotions. There was no understanding of the greater awareness I had a sense of that I now call consciousness. As I kept looking, I discovered Wicca. Could there be something magical about consciousness? Was it really linked to will? This seemed to be part of the picture, but again, it was not complete. And I discovered meditation. A devoted meditator for sometimes up to two hours a day for 20 years, and I can say that this practice is a good tool to encounter consciousness, but this tool took a long time and much devotion to truly master. I searched meantime in healing practice. Surely if we could heal the body, emotions, mind, spirit, soul or consciousness, we could understand it. Again, this was a slow exploration that could elude us for years. Becoming aware of what you're not aware of takes patience and time as you gradually explore each aspect you are ready to know. Then I developed my psychic abilities. This showed me that consciousness was interrelated with energy and it could be read and known, but not entirely through this alone. Consciousness was more than just energy, it had wisdom. I worked hard to become a medium, first studying under a spiritualist medium teacher. I was invited along to help with exorcisms, work with healing entities and all the bad elements of someone's consciousness their philosophy believed existed. To me, it seemed more like we were dealing with sub-personalities of an individual's complete consciousness, mostly unexpressed. So I started channeling on my own. I connected with interstellar light beings from many dimensions and places. Communicating with them telepathically, I began to understand just how many lenses on consciousness there were, and that we were all looking through a different lens. I could see through the consciousness of the light beings I was learning to become one with, in a new style of trance, that there was so much vastness to consciousness, so many perspectives. I next learned the practice of shamanism, finding many of the tools had already been given to me by the light beings. I explored my first taste into the original people's understanding of consciousness through their ritual and myth. I was taught this by a very well-respected and knowledgeable male shaman. I began to see there was a distinct difference between the way you could experience consciousness, masculine or feminine, the hard way or the easy way. I learnt much in the way of Tantra at the same time, discovering how the ecstatic states of consciousness can be experienced in an intimate connection with the divine within all things. I then began to understand consciousness is embodied, so I trained in kundalini dance. I added this technology to the spirit experiences I was having in what I then called vision quest trance dance, and I was having a full experience of total consciousness in the dance classes I was teaching. But I wanted this knowing all the time, every day, not just when I was dancing or in random moments when it overtook me, causing me dramatically beautiful ecstatic connections with all that is. While driving in my car or doing some other normal thing, I wanted it on tap when I wanted it. 
So I enrolled to become a student of elders from more than 50 different tribes across the planet to get a broad viewpoint on what consciousness really is. As I listened to the elders speaking about their life experiences, I waited with bated breath, expecting to find some magic secret ingredient that I could add to my life to experience full consciousness all the time. What I discovered here is that consciousness is not some magical pie-in-the-sky experience that we have when we are super special magical beings. It is, in fact, normal, everyday experiences that have full consciousness in them if we witness it. It's all about making the ordinary extraordinary. It's about living with aliveness. Elders are people living life. They are trying to live a good story. They want to leave the world better than they found it, but they are amazingly patient. They understand that energy never ceases to exist. They know to finish what they start and they know not to take on what they won't finish. They recognize both the finality of their existence and that their impact is part of a larger consciousness that continues beyond them. The next generations are their consciousness continuing on. With this understanding, it is the quality of the experience or impact rather than the number of experiences or impacts that are important. They are present, giving their full knowledge, thought and understanding to each moment. They understand this is where true joy lives. When I first encountered the elders, I was so frustrated. I kept thinking, if they could just hurry up with this story they are taking ages to tell us and go on with the lesson that they're trying to reveal to us. I kept waiting for the lesson and kept hearing only stories and more stories. I heard stories about how they lit incense and thought, yes, I know how to do that. Can we move on? I was so impatient, as is our society. The lesson was in the living of the story, the experience of it. It was how they lit the incense, why they did it, what the experience was within it. While I was not listening to that, I was rushing around trying to find something that could only be found in the experience of being present with the story, with the journey of the story. If you are or were like me, you might have been rushing around trying to find something that's actually been there all along. It's not to be found. You only have to slow down and experience it. This is what consciousness truly is, an experience. These days, I can place my awareness into full consciousness in any moment and drink all of the delights, ecstatic energy and wisdom fully and instantly. With practice, you can too. Have a try of this exercise. Go outside somewhere where you'll be undisturbed. Find the most beautiful tree you can. Look at the tree's leaves, their beautiful colour and shape, their amazing texture. Look at the branches, the tree's arms reaching up to the sky, receiving from Great Spirit. These leaves and branches are examples of the great receiving we should all practice. Now look at the trunk, the strong and sturdy trunk, so solid with all its etchings and textures, its story. Think about how old the tree is all it has seen in this place, all it has witnessed. Look at the colour differences of the trunk and how its shape differs. Feel the presence of the roots as they stretch deep within the ground, probably to the same depth as the branches extend. This tree knows balance. It knows the secret of great beauty, of surviving with grace and ease. Inside this tree is a beautiful spirit, one that is wiser than you. 
you have a perfect living example of the balance and activated divine right in front of you. Feel the presence of this elder before you. Feel its connection to the earth and universe as the space keeper for this vast wisdom of all worlds. Love the tree by seeing it for all it really is. Notice how it makes you feel to see the tree and love it as sacred kin. Here you are using your senses to witness consciousness in one of the purest forms. As you see this consciousness in others, you will come to know it in yourself. When this exercise moves you into total ecstasy so that every cell in your body is orgasmic and radiant, ecstatic with the full divine, in that moment you will be living conscious. When you can do it with anything, even a house brick, you will have mastered consciousness. To be conscious or to hold consciousness, the act of being conscious, we must be awake to all parts of ourself. All parts of us include the physical being we are in this world, the emotions we feel, the thoughts we think and the spirit we are. We must be awake to the grander part of our consciousness that mediates this form, sometimes called the soul. We must be aware of this true self, the divine spark of creation consciousness, our very existence deems we have. We must realise we are more beautiful and wondrous and loved than we ever knew. We know we belong to something greater. A fully conscious person walks in the world awake to the great beauty of themselves. This beauty does not come from the clothes they wear or any other materialistic source. It emanates from us all, like a light from the sun, each of us like a star supporting life in our little solar system and in all of the worlds of experience we co-create. We are the amazing possibility of life created. We are the walking experience of the knowledge of all that is. We are this wisdom unfolding through our experiences. A conscious person experiences themselves in the world fully, absolutely, yet they are always maintaining awareness that they're not of this world. They maintain both a belonging to the beauty in the world whilst always remembering the great beauty of the universe from which we all originate. Each movement in the world holds this dual awareness all of the time. A conscious person experiences. They feel pain, sorrow, sadness, joy, love and bliss. Each emotion is not constricted by judgments, but embraced as an experience. A conscious person does not belong to only one experience, like love or compassion or bliss, all of the time. They experience all emotional states and kinds of experience, simply as experiences. They may choose to dwell in love more of the time, but... They're not limited to this experience alone. They embrace all experiences as purpose. Their job as awakened consciousness is to experience all that is on offer. As we are born from the love of the life force principle, the conscious person is love in action. Their deeds, thoughts and presence in the world creates more love. Their life is a legacy of a commitment to love. They'll not always achieve this state, yet they always return to it. The path back to love requires one to be conscious. What they are conscious of is their true nature. As it is love, this is what they must always return to, to come home to their truest essence. 
The universe to which we all belong is the expression of love, lived in form. We are literally the universe experiencing itself. Consider how conscious you feel. For all of us, it's a never-ending journey. We are all waking up and remembering this essence self. Daily, we are tested to remember. This is the act of becoming fully conscious. It's a constant journey and one that will not end until the day we leave this form and go on to the next. Here's how you can grow in week one. In week one, start to become aware of this daily test to tune into your consciousness. Start to pay attention to your most conscious self, the essence self, the divine you. This overseeing consciousness will inform you. Listen to this place within you. As you encounter experiences, notice how you respond. Feel deeply into the place of your body where you feel the greatest wisdom emerging. Find the deepest wisdom in your emotional self, your mind. Call upon the deepest wisdom you know from your spiritual truth. Listen to these places within you. They are the realm keepers of your conscious self. Many people talk about being conscious and use this term in relation to their spirituality. Spirituality is separate to religion or general ideas of how things are. Spirituality is often the individual philosophy of each person, how they feel most spiritually connected or spiritual. In our society, there are lots of guides about what this experience is like. Most of them, in my opinion, are not really about becoming conscious. They can be ideas of one-sided experiences of consciousness, the idea that we maintain compassion all of the time, for example. This would be like becoming conscious of only a small part of your potential for experience. It's limited. We're here to experience it all, everything of which we are capable. Every experience, therefore, should be considered part of the spiritual journey. The hate, the greed, the anger, madness and love are all part of being conscious. I'm so often asked, what does it mean to be a spiritual person or how does one become this? As you've heard me say so often, it is by being authentic. Yet we cannot be fully authentic if part of our awareness is unconscious to us. So becoming conscious is actually the greater part of our work as individuals and as a humanity. Remember, being conscious is just describing the unconscious making its way into our awareness. Here I'm not talking about the biological drivers that cause your heart to beat. I'm referring to the spirit wisdom that informs your heart it should keep beating and when it should stop. I'm talking about the feeling self that invites experiences so you can return more fully to your love self even if it is through pain. I'm talking about the overarching soul consciousness that instructs all four counterparts of your soul and directly affects your magnetism. Here we meet our universal self as part of the one. Here I am as are you. One of the greatest hindrances to the illumination of this vast knowingness within us is the fear we feel. We are afraid to be the magnificence we are. We often reject this place of knowing within us because we fear we cannot trust it or we fear it does not exist at all. This exacting place within us is all-encompassing and for most people, the concept is overwhelming to the point of being unimaginable. Instead, most people see themselves as broken, 
fragile, limited, and experience massive fear. They do not know the power that exists within them. From this place of fear-based conscious awareness, they experience a very different kind of reality. If you haven't already, I highly recommend you watch a movie called The Shadow Effect during the course of this module's month. It talks in great detail about some of these concepts and illustrates them beautifully. If we could make the shadow of the world conscious, bringing the truth of our wondrous and omnipresent nature to the surface with love and acceptance, we would finally be able to choose who we really want to be. While we are unconsciously driven by fear and perceptions of inadequacy, we are never aware of how grand we really are. We are never empowered. We are lost. Here's how you can grow in week two. In week two, start to become conscious and empowered by all of your experiences. If you feel certain things, try not judging them. Instead, let yourself be fully present with this part of your experience. One of my mentors once gave me a beautiful example of this. She described that moment of temper tantrum we all have at times. She described it as her inner bitch. She told me how she allowed this aspect of herself to be fully present in her experience when it showed up. She often had one of her closest friends witness her so it could be fully seen. She let this voice within her speak honestly about what it was feeling for a whole day whenever it showed up. She had the tantrum she was feeling. She said horrible things. She was nasty, grumpy and grouchy for a whole day. She let herself experience this part of herself rather than denying it like an outfit she was wearing for a day. I personally loved this way of expressing. Imagine if you let a part of your personality free for a few minutes, an hour, a whole day or longer if you feel you need this. If you allow this part of you to speak, it is no longer unconscious. I would also add, be conscious of your effect on others, particularly if your inner bitch fest is about someone else. Place an intentional bubble of white light around you before you give yourself this freedom so nothing is energetically projected at others. By getting to know this aspect of you, you will no longer be stuffing it down in the deep, dark cupboards of your unconscious and having it try and scream its way out through your magnetism, drawing to you experiences that finally allow the permission you need to express it. What parts of you remain unexpressed? I remember when I was seeing a counsellor when I was about 17 years old, I was so afraid of letting my emotions become conscious. They felt so overwhelming. I was sure that I would unleash Pandora's box upon my world. Sometimes allowing ourselves to be with the feelings we have can be scary. Sometimes this can feel overwhelming. It's important to gently nudge ourselves into wholeness and full expression, but not to do this in a way that feels overwhelming. Measure how powerful things are for you. If they feel really strong to the point of feeling scary, go slowly. There's no race. For me, that meant allowing myself to feel some of those feelings by thinking about some of the circumstances that were generating them for 15 minutes a day. Then I changed the internal subject and did something else. Every time my mind wanted to go back there, I said no later when we have our 15 minutes next time and did something else. You can become conscious of things slowly and in a measured way. You can always maintain a level of control and composure. Running and jumping in the fire is the masculine way. We don't need to do that as we're now working with the divine feminine energies on this planet. You may feel like whipping up a massive earthquake in yourself now and again, 
But even Mother Earth just adjusts herself through the hundreds of tiny earthquakes every day most of the time. Take it slowly and be gentle with the precious places within you. Be unafraid of yourself. You are measured all the time by an overseeing part of your full consciousness that only allows access to parts of yourself you have the tools to handle. Trust this part of yourself. It is your soul's light guiding your experiences. You'll never become conscious of anything you are not ready for. Therefore, always trust what is coming to your awareness is something you are absolutely ready for and capable of handling. Do you ever feel afraid of some part of yourself being unleashed? Have you ever avoided dealing with some part of you you knew was trying to seek your attention? Have you seen the manifestation of your life affected by the unconscious, where repeating events cause great reactions in you? Consider what you were afraid of. Did you trust that the conscious you was only revealing what you could handle? Did you explore with curiosity or hold back with fear? To be fully conscious in the world, we must always explore what emerges within us. At the same time, we must not become obsessed with it. We are physical beings supposed to be having a physical experience. Your conscious awareness can only present if you are experiencing. I have seen lightworkers get so stuck in the exploration of their consciousness, they forget about living. Then they stop experiencing and their journey into full consciousness stalls. Remember, we must be in the world, but maintain awareness we are not of it. Your conscious awareness should be fully in your presence for all decisions you make and all reactions you have. The rest of the time, you should focus on living really well and with great joy, whatever that looks like for you. I also want to invite you to rent a movie called Thought Crimes if you have the time this month. This one's a Hollywood film about a girl who doesn't know she's telepathic and how it influences her and what she can do with it once she becomes fully conscious of her abilities. This is a great visual example of the kind of noise most people experience in their unconscious. You cannot be clear and empowered until you become aware of where your thoughts come from. We must know if they come from within us or around us. Most people don't realize they are affected by telepathic impulse all of the time. These thoughts confuse most people as they get stuck in their consciousness. If you've ever experienced sciatica, L4 or L5 back injury, stiff shoulder or thoracic area of your back, and knots in the top of your neck, you're most likely a teleempath and experiencing much in the way of other people's consciousness. You should explore my Psychic Protection for Teleempaths class as soon as you can. So let us begin this part of the exploration by first imagining that everyone on the planet is telepathic. This means at some level there is a mental sharing that is taking place behind the scenes. For most people, that is just noise and this noise is the reason why it feels so good to step out in nature and enjoy some space from this noise and enjoy the more quiet and centred telepathic noise that trees animals, plants and crystals make. Every moment of your life you're influenced by this undercurrent of telepathic ideas and information. Many indigenous systems of belief talk about the idea that life is connected through a web of life. Think about yourself being at the centre of this web with those closest to you occupying the cross sections of the web closest to you. Imagine their telepathic noise is very loud. 
Someone you don't know, have never met and will never meet is on the far reaches of the web, but they're still on it. Their noise contributes to the overall noise of the global unconsciousness stream we often call global consciousness. You are always influenced by and are influencing global consciousness. As I've spoken of in previous modules, it's important to be aware of this to be fully conscious of where you begin and end and where everything else does also. You can't become fully conscious without this awareness of your own personal energetic boundaries. Do you notice when your consciousness is affected by global consciousness? Many of my students experience geopathic stress. This is a physical awareness of holding stress in their bodies as tensions build up in the earth. An earthquake releases this stress for both human and planet alike. Whenever there's a large enough earthquake on Earth, their central channel also gets dislodged from being perfectly vertical. They then experience more of the global consciousness than usual. They can feel anxious, stressed, depressed, sad, overwhelmed, touchy and reactive. They may recognise there's nothing in their personal life that should be making them feel this way. A quick alignment of their central channel of energy and they feel their usual fabulous self once again. This is how quickly we can change impulse in our energy and return to our own centred consciousness. Notice in week two if you feel aware of your energy changing for no reason. Do you have thoughts, feelings and states of being that seem to come out of nowhere? If you do, then look at who you've been around and whether you picked up on some energies from them. Or if there was no place or no one around you that you could have psychically vacuumed the energies up from, get onto Google and see if there's been an earthquake over 6.5 on the Richter scale somewhere in the world as you had this experience. Check in with your central channel of energy and balance it by adding energy to the depleted side. For example, if it's forward at the top of your body, visualize light and energy flowing in the back at the top. You'll probably notice it is back at the bottom as well. So visualize energy going into the front of your aura at the bottom. The central channel of energy writes itself like a seesaw perfectly and easily slotting back into place because remember, you are most easily aligned with the flow of the greater consciousness energies around you. Mother Earth is a huge impactor of our consciousness in this way. So it's easy to realign with her new central channel positioning, which is what the earthquakes are just for her. Not only is our consciousness impacted by the global consciousness of the world, but our individual unconscious is always impacting our perception of our experience, whether we know it or not. Through our own unconscious drivers, attachments and limitations, we are experiencing our reality. Is a fish aware of the fact it lives in water? Is it aware of the forces of this water? Does it know what the water is made of? Does it know where the water comes from and where it flows to? Not usually. These things are mostly irrelevant to its survival. Like the fish, we are most aware of what is relevant to our survival primarily. Beyond this, we are aware of what meets our basic needs. Sometimes these needs are physical, emotional, mental or spiritual. Our needs, therefore, filter out the irrelevant information. Scientifically, we know this to be true for our eyesight, our hearing, the processing of information we encounter, and how our reticular activation system prioritizes information. Our experience as conscious beings is completely biased. What is most relevant to you may not be for another. This is how we can know for sure that there is no truth. 
After all, how can there be if everyone is experiencing a different reality? So perhaps the first step of becoming conscious is to realise we are having a totally unique experience from all others. Think about this for a moment. Have you ever felt let down by somebody because they didn't get you? Has someone in your life not understood you? Have you felt as though you were never entirely seen or known? How can anyone ever truly understand another's experience fully if we're all processing reality entirely differently? It's indeed impossible to have the absolute shared experience we all seek. Here's how you grow in week three. Look at what happens if you let this go. Spend week three letting go of the idea that anyone has to think the same as you, act the same as you, behave from the same expectations as you, know the same things as you, or decide the same, or even have the same values you do. How does this feel and change your experience? We need to be aware of the influences that drive our experience. As I've spoken of in previous modules, this bias comes from many sources, but fundamentally we need to stay conscious of when it is driving our reactions. True consciousness is not reactive. It is experiential. It is curious. It seeks to know. It holds the awareness of not knowing and the comfort of this. It is like a child gently exploring the world, learning that it is safe. To get into this place of pure consciousness, we have to stop and pause before we react. I had a rare experience as I was preparing this module that was an example of this. I had hired a dear contractor who thought he was doing the right thing by me by starting a day early. In his digging work, he dug up the grave of my beautiful 19-year-old kitty cat that I had to put down a couple of months ago. She was a dear beloved in my life and like my best friend and soulmate a deeply precious gift in my life. I still miss her every single day. When I arrived home to see this had happened, I was so heartbroken in that moment. I felt like I'd been punched in the chest. I was speechless. Rarely for me, I didn't even know how to feel. I was completely overwhelmed. I told my friend what had happened and said to him, I just need a minute, and I excused myself. In that moment I took, I felt the vastness of the sorrow that my little beloved had had her grave desecrated. The sadness was huge. I knew my friend did not mean to do this and I knew he felt terrible. I thought about what the transition of death means to me. I'm always honoured to give the body of my pets back to the mother. To be embraced by her in death is what I want for myself. To have Mama Earth be nourished by my body after receiving so much nourishment from her my whole life. I realised in my moment that it doesn't really matter where my beloved's body is buried. It has been moved, but it is still with the mother in her embrace. I also know that the spirit of this beautiful animal is already free. I felt it go before we buried her and it was an ecstatic release for her to be free from her very weary old body. It's not linked to the body anymore anyway. Taking some deep breaths for the shock I felt, I was able to move into a place of deep compassion for the contractor who had done this. I was able to offer him healing in the moment and invited him to release the guilt he was feeling. I could have had a very different reaction here. Before I became so conscious, I would have gotten really angry. I could have become hysterical in an environment that would not support it, like being physically present with this person. 
He could not support my trauma. He was feeling his own trauma about the mistake he had made. By stepping away, I had the moment I needed to process what was for me, even in this conscious state, such a big experience. I could have resented him forever for an innocent mistake of moving half a metre of soil more than he was instructed to. All of these reactions would have been total projections of my emotional state onto him. Projections are absolutely unhealthy, as we are each responsible for how we feel. Making another person to blame for how we feel is pure dishonesty. No one controls our feelings or experiences them, only we do. Projections are like the opposite of true consciousness. Projections happen when our unconscious feelings fire out like missiles at anyone in the vicinity. When we are not able to be fully honest with ourselves in the moment because the moment is larger than we can handle, we project the responsibility for our feeling onto another. We are projecting when we blame an event for our state. We are projecting when we blame anyone for anything. You might ask, how can this be so? If someone does something wrong, how can that be a result of my projection? Surely they're at fault. If we take our true position as co-creator and we realise that we are a magnet, then everything we experience is a result of that magnetism. We create all experiences. No one does them to us. I hadn't allowed myself to feel fully the grief of my furry baby's death. I attracted that experience to experience more of that grief. My conscious self knew it needed to arise as I was unconscious I was still holding on to more grief around it. I later found out that my contractor friend was being dragged into a large financial problem because a client breached the legislation after he did work for them. The result could be a half a million dollar fine for him. Obviously, he was very distracted by this. The experience of him doing this at my place helped him to not only clear the energies he was feeling around the things going on in his life, but also reminded him to stay present on the job or terrible things could happen. Driving a large machine which you could quite easily damage yourself in, this is a good reminder. Staying present might save his life. By the end of the job, with all of that energy cleared out, he found out that he was not getting dragged into the problem this past client created. Most likely, this resolution happened so quickly because he had had a chance to release the energy he was holding. So we both benefited immensely from the experience. And many days later, as I had a closer look at the site, I found he had not disturbed the grave after all, but had come very close to doing it. My little fur baby was just where I put her. I attracted every single experience in my life. As a soul, I needed the pain, agony, confusion, joy, heartache, love, blessings, all of it. Nothing did this to me. I co-created this all for my own growth, evolution and unfolding. I would like you to try on the idea that nothing and no one has done anything to you as well. Try that thought on in the third week. If you're fully responsible for all of your experiences, feelings and everything you have attracted now and in the past, what does that make you feel? Most people feel confused at this thought, particularly when considering their painful experiences. They may ask, why did I attract this? Why would I ever want to? That thought feels uncomfortable for most people. Through sitting with this question, the unconscious becomes conscious. The greater reasoning for your pain becomes a gift. 
Once you realise you in fact do control it all and your ability to accept your conscious self and take responsibility for this, as well as owning the vast power you have, is all you need to do to become a co-creator, your life becomes not a series of unconscious triggers magnetising a whole heap of pain, but instead it is a conscious dance as you, as co-creator, weave the tapestry of your life taking each thread thoughtfully and sewing it into the experience with great intention and awareness. Once you step into this place of activating your conscious intelligence in the world, you will thrive. You will realize your consciousness is love, that you have the potential to experience love and return to love through any experience. You will experience yourself in a profound place of gratitude joyfully living the expression of loving yourself through your life. This is what you were made for. In week three, I also invite you to consider looking at your life from this grander place of vision, to be, as Ram Dass so beautifully talks about in the movie Ecstatic States, the person playing the Monopoly game, not the car or the horse. What he speaks of here is the idea that you can be the director of your life stage, and enjoy acting out each part of the play of your life. This is what your consciousness affords you. You get to write the script. You remember you are the script writer. What script are you writing? In week three, consider what you project. Remember that projections are the active expression of unconsciousness. How can you more deeply know what you really feel and step beyond reactiveness and into full consciousness of yourself in every moment. It only takes your commitment to pause when you sense a reaction. Go deep within. See what is driving your reaction from all lenses of yourself. We often forget to pause and allow ourselves to become fully conscious. It is like waiting for a bubble of insight to gently arise from the deepest places of ourself before we just react. The more we practice this awareness, the quicker it comes and the easier it is accessible to us. Again, it is mastered through practice. In the last module, you created a word. Think of this as your essence, as your co-creator. How would love respond or whatever your word is? This is your true guiding compass of consciousness. Use it to maintain your conscious awareness whenever your reaction is larger than you would like it to be. Finally, I want to reiterate that consciousness is meant to experience all emotions, all states, all experiences. So often I hear even advanced students questioning whether they are evolved enough or judging themselves. Please hear what I've said in this module. You are here to explore experience. This is why you have been given consciousness and awareness of your conscious self. What you experience is always up to you, but if you are not exploring it at all, you are only living a half-life. Some believe that to be enlightened, you must master your emotions and only experience compassion. They then feel if they experience hate, they are failing. Whatever your belief system, remember this. You cannot learn about something by ignoring or hating it. If you resist parts of yourself, you are only experiencing a small amount of your own consciousness potential. You're here to experience it all. Don't judge what you experience as good or bad. Duality requires us to experience everything to be a whole person. 
Allow yourself to delve into whatever presents itself within you. Only then will you feel like you live a complete life and will you experience full consciousness.